Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello and welcome to the TGH College Hardwood Podcast. I am Joe. With me is Greg, as always, here to talk about the last week of college basketball, preview the next week. We're getting into the thick of the conference play. Greg, how are you doing? Man, I tell you what, conference play, I'm just looking over our sheet of stuff we got to talk about. We got a lot to talk about, and that's I think that's a that's a good change from those couple of weeks, you know, around Christmas and New Year's where we came in here every week and said, ah, we got nothing to really talk about. It's a light week. So uh, let's just hop into it, Joe. Yeah, a lot of weeks I feel, feel like we've uh, maybe spent a lot of time talking about one or two subjects. We're going to have to talk a lot about a lot of subjects this week, so we'll get into it right away. We'll start off with a recap of last week. We had Colorado State beating Greg's New Mexico Lobos uh, in, a, in a tough game here. Colorado State wins 76-68. We know Isaiah Stevens is a very good player. We know he always shows up uh, 18 points in this game, so... Uh, it's going to be tough in the Mountain West. I know you mentioned it's two, three bid league. We'll see if that can hold up if they don't beat up on each other enough in, in conference play. So, uh, what were your thoughts on this one, Greg? Mister Rothstein still thinks this is a five bid league. So, uh, not the listen. This with this some of this analysis, like you know, some of the stuff he says. We we saw a tweet today about Joe brought it up in a in a chat we have about him saying Fifth Third Arena, which is. Uh, UC's home home court, you know, was it was a top venue or whatever. And Joe's like, ah, I don't know if it's top couple hundred, but you know, whatever. We like we like John for for breaking news analysis. You know, he he maybe gets a little hyperbole ish. I don't know if that's a word, but I just made it a word. Um, no, I mean like I, I here's the thing about this league, and we're we you know we we can talk about this now. We can talk about this later. But, you know, I have Utah State as one of the teams I wanted to talk about in here. I mentioned New Mexico in the in the preseason. Colorado State's been kind of a surprise. Uh, I know there's somebody else I'm forgetting. San Diego State is still in the Mountain West. This looks like a packed conference. I'd say three is a shoe-in at this point. I, I, I can't imagine that. I, I guess the, the, the league could break a certain way where they cannibalize each other a little bit, but uh, I th- have to think three is a shoe, and we could be looking at four. But I think five might be a stretch. I just think some of these some of these players that or some of these teams that are 
you know, winning lots of games right now might turn out to be pretenders. We'll just have to see. This game in particular, um, you know, it's it's a good win for for Colorado State. A game that we probably wouldn't have. It was it was a little bit uh, of a light early week. You know, it just was something that popped up because those were two one loss teams. So uh, I believe that is going to be. I, I think it's a Q two. I was pull. I was getting ready to pull up. Um, Colorado State currently 19th in the net, so that's definitely a win you like to have under your belt. I'm currently pulling up there, uh, there. So that is a Q2 win. So Colorado State, uh, you know they've got they've got a couple of good wins. They've got that Creighton win. You know, in context, maybe it looks a little bit interesting. Although Creighton's still sitting at 14th in the net. Um, they did lose. And this was again. This was on our docket to talk about. They did lose later in the week to Utah State, who, after turning over their entire roster, only has one loss. Uh, you know, they're putting a little bit of a of a of a good uh, a good um, resume together for you know probably a, I would have to think a single digit seed. You know, maybe something in the I don't know four to seven range. We'll 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 get you know figure that out more as uh, conference play goes on. Joe, what do you, I mean? What do you what do you think the if if we we could talk about this game in particular, or you can take it and spin it as, what does this conference look like? I, I mean, to me, if, if you want to look at the landscape, like it looks like this is a better conference than I don't know the American. You know, it, uh, just thinking like obviously the A10 is probably only going to be maybe a one, maybe a two bid league. This is probably like I would have to say that sixth or seventh league out there, right behind the power conferences right now, and and it's in part just because we got a couple of surprises that weren't supposed to be good this year, like Utah State. So what are you, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think it's a multiple bid league as far as how many they get in. I'm not sure it's five. I'm not sure it's quite three. I'm not sure it's four. I think they'll definitely get two in, but it's always tough for these conferences, like you know the American, like you mentioned, the A10, to get all these teams in. A lot of time there's a battle of attrition going down into conference play. The good news for them is they do have about six teams right now that I think are at least in consideration when you put in Utah State, San Diego State, Nevada, Boise State, Colorado State. We'll just have to see who keeps up. I mean, you mentioned Colorado State had the tough loss uh, to Utah State later in the week. You know, if, if you're from the Mountain West and you end up having seven, eight losses total, even though right now five of the teams in the conference have two losses or less, does that get you in? I, historically, probably not, but we'll have to see. Some of the teams have some good wins as well. And the only team I think I'm 100% confident, or I guess there's two teams I'm 100% confident will at least have be in good position to put themselves in, in the tournament are San Diego State and Colorado State. Everyone else, even with 14-1 and Utah State and 14-1 and Nevada, I feel like they still have a lot of work to do. So we'll see how it goes uh, throughout the rest of the way. Uh, there's a lot of talented players. I do think Colorado State and the San Diego State are the best teams, and they might end up being, you know, the ones who have four or five losses by the end of this, rather than the seven, eight, nine, ten, which could leave you on the outside looking in. All right, so the next one up, we are going to talk about Wednesday. We had Providence and Seton Hall. Seton Hall is proving to be a much tougher team than many thought initially. Uh, the big news out of this game, though, Greg Bryce Hopkins gets injured. He is out for the season. That puts a damper on things. Uh, Providence was 11-3 and after this game. It's just not looking like maybe this is a team that will have enough to get to the tournament after being ranked. And after you know heading into conference play, they only had a loss to Oklahoma on the road. Uh, that's, I mean, Seton Hall being good and pushing their way towards you know bubble talk as they were not really on the bubble about a week or two ago 
is 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 a big story as well. But when you have a player like Bryce Hopkins, a lot of All American teams and everything like that, that is that's the huge news here. I don't think they have enough to really push through and get to the tournament at this point. Yeah, it's almost like these two teams, not necessarily in this game in particular, but just in general, they almost kind of flip flopped. You know wh- how we were looking at them. Providence, you know, they got the Devin Carter, they got Bryce Hopkins, Seton Hall, just kind of an afterthought. Well, now Seton Hall's got that win over UConn. Uh, we can get to this later, but they went and won at home against Marquette this weekend. Obviously, they they won this game against Providence. And Providence, on the other hand, going to be without, you know, possibly maybe an All-American candidate or at least an All-Big uh, East candidate for the rest of the season. Really unfortunate. So I, I did not see this coming from Seton Hall. I, I Nothing told me that this team was going to be competing in the Big East. I, I don't know if you want to say the bigger story in this game is is Seton Hall's emergence or or Bryce Hopkins injury for me just just with the way the season's been going the bigger story is Bryce Hopkins of 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 those two kind of kind of things to talk about because this Providence team in in Kim English's first year was really looking to start coming together and I think I even said last week you know was looking at possibly being a, a top three team in the Big East which is is you know it's nothing to shake a stick at the way the Big East is looking this year but I'm with you man I just this that's the kind of injury that it's it, that that probably takes you you know from maybe a, a you know four five six seed to possibly out of the tournament you know maybe they have enough goodwill on there but of course we know that the selection committee is going to take this stuff into account I mean it, and if they're you know looking at going to Dayton and playing in the first four and there's someone else that's completely healthy I, I can't imagine they'd pick them uh, that they'd pick Providence so. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Providence right now has the better resume if you look at things in, in total. 56 on the net, 2-2 two and two quad 1, 2-2 two and two quad 2, and no losses other than that. But when you talk about the last couple of games, it's really not going to be that good. Uh, and then Bryce Hopkins down the stretch. Now, Seton Hall, you're right, I think Bryce Hopkins is the bigger story. Seton Hall putting themselves in good position now, but they're at 73rd in the net. It's really hard for a team that's ranked below, I would say, 50 in the net to make the tournament. It does happen, but all the way down to 73, they have a lot of work to do. They have two quad two losses, two quad one losses, one quad three loss. So good by Shaheen Holloway to get this team where they are. It's been a it's been a massive rebuilding job, and yes, it goes faster uh, these years, but uh, he's, he's going to have to keep on winning some games. It'll be tough in the Big East, as we mentioned. It's hard to win on the road, and it's tough for some of these teams. Like, in, you know, this game, getting this road win is huge for Seton Hall. The other Wednesday game we're going to talk about from last week, we have Miami and Clemson. Now, Miami won this game 95-82. to I watched a lot of this game, Greg. Uh, they were down at the half, but they came back and scored 60 second-half points. Now, this is impressive because I think that uh, this, this is obviously a guard-oriented team. Wuga Poplar was out for this game, too. So, are we seeing a little bit of the Brad Brownell, like the fading of Brad Brownell starting to happen in ACC play? Is Miami that good, even without Poplar? There's a lot of questions to be answered here, Greg. Yeah, and it adds to the context when uh, Clemson went on this weekend. And again, we this is a little getting a little ahead of ourselves, but you know, we got these points that uh, inter, intertwine. Go and lose a very ugly 65 55 game to Carolina later in the week. And that's not a bad loss, but when you when you look at the week, I mean, I think you were hoping, all right, if we got to play Carolina later in the week and we're we're trying to prove ourselves to be contenders, this Miami game is it's one we gotta have. Uh, you know, it's it's I know it was on the road, but it was it was at 
it was at Miami, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah, it's, that's one of my head. I had flip flopped on the. I I put a little outline together for Joe, and I had the had the teams flip flop by accident. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, this is one you want to have when you when you know you got a, a pretty big game coming in later in the week. I, I'm still not you know, selling it, selling my, my Clemson stock. I, I think we kind of knew that they weren't going to be, you know, a, a top 15 team. Um, I still think this is probably a tournament team. So, you know, it's just, it's just, they're starting to show that, you know, they're, they're not going to be an elite of elite team in the ACC, which I, I think you and I probably both already knew. But I mean, if you start to look at the resume, it is, it is a little light. Uh, the Bama win, which again, the net loves Bama for some reason, still sitting at a single digit. They got one over TCU, one over Pitt, wins over South Carolina, Boise State. I mean, they've got no bad losses, but like this, these were two pretty good opportunities to have some some good quality uh, Q1 wins, and they didn't get either of them. Not the, you know, not the worst thing in the world, but uh, still sitting at twenty three in the net. So you know, again, if you're if you're Clemson. You would have much rather split these games. You probably were more likely to win the Miami game, but at the end of the day, there's there's more on the schedule. There's going to be a couple more opportunities. It's the ACC. You know, it's not it's not the strongest conference, but it, you know, there's there's definitely going to be a few more times for them to get to some quality wins. Just would have been nice for them to take at least one of these two. With you on that one, they did. This game did feature only eight bench points. All eight were by Clemson, so a lot of uh, depth issues to be answered here, especially with Miami having Poplar out for this one. Um, I'll, I'll mention something real quick too. We talk about you know Gonzaga being a team that doesn't have the depth, uh, and we'll talk about them more later. My, probably my final thought, but um, Miami they can't afford Norchad Omir to get hurt. He's only like six five, but he's their big guy. He's really he's kind of strong and rebounds well. They when he has to go to the bench in foul trouble, obviously it happened against Kentucky. They are not the greatest team. They almost like this game, like times where he was on the floor, kind of got away from them. They have a bunch of guards, and that's really great. And even when Popular comes back, they like that's I don't want to say like most valuable player. Uh, I guess I do want to say that because if that guy goes down, just in the same way that like if Ryan Nembhard goes down for Gonzaga, the teams are just totally different teams. So they're maybe not. Like if you if you have Zach Eady go down for Purdue, like they still are a very good team. I don't know if you can say that about Miami or Gonzaga. So it's just something to watch out for down the stretch. I do think that says a lot about Omier uh, and and how he's played. I know I, I had him in I think preseason All American third team or something like that. Um, he's he's played pretty well. So hopefully they can keep that going because the guards are nice, but getting to the tournament time when teams can exploit your lack of size that could be that could be tough. Next one up we have the. Arizona Wildcats beating Colorado. Now, Greg, you picked Colorado. You got some flack for some of the friends for, for picking them. Uh, we didn't know who was all going to be playing for Colorado with some injuries going on. Uh, but this is Arizona, I think, really starting to rebound back to their, their back to their form. I think they had a rough last week, in the last couple weeks. But, like, this to me wasn't, like, surprising in the sense of, like, Colorado had guys out. Arizona was just getting back to where they were two weeks ago where we were talking about them being one of the top three teams in the country where their guards are just playing phenomenal. Joe, I watched this game, and I forced myself to watch the entirety of the game because I picked Colorado. I just, you know, thought it, 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 it sounded like they were trending towards Tristan De Silva and Cody Williams or at least one of those two being back. They neither of them played in this game. I don't care if, if that neither of them played in this game. Ninety-seven to fifty. I, 
You still got KJ Simpson. You still got Eddie Lampkin. There's still pieces on this team. I wouldn't. When I found out, okay, they're neither of those guys are playing. Or, all right, you know they're probably going to lose this game. You know that stinks. That score, you know, coupled with the fact that they go to Arizona State and they lose that game a couple days later with Tristan De Silva in the lineup. I don't believe Cody Williams played in that game. I don't think he's healthy just yet, but. Their stock took a big hit for me this week. And this is a team that in the preseason, you know, I looked at your Joe does a preseason top 25 and I said, Joe, you might want to think it, you know, including this Colorado team. And you said, ah, I don't know. I, I think there may be a, I can't remember exactly what you said. Maybe you said top 30, top 40 team. Um, but you, you were like, no, I don't think I'll have them on the back end of my preseason top 25. And I was higher on this team than you were. And that's one of the reasons I picked them to, you know, regardless of their injury status, pick them to win this game. I just thought maybe they, they're starting to, to fulfill their potential. KJ Simpson's still good, but their stock between the, between the score at Arizona and the loss to Arizona state, not a, not a good, not a good week for them. They're, they're definitely taking a knock on, on my book. I mean, that's, that's that's just not a good week. Arizona State did have a big week. We're not going to talk about them too much, but uh, they did beat Utah and then they beat Colorado. So I think they might be getting close to um, that tier of oh, we're going to start considering them for the tournament. I did have Colorado in full transparency. They were twenty five on my top twenty five. Uh, USC was another one that I think you had tried to get me to rank higher. I, I had them twenty two. Uh, just weird. Like it's just a weird Pac twelve year where I I don't know what's going to happen. I do know Arizona is the best team in this conference, uh, hands down, I would say. There's some other, like Oregon, I know we had mentioned in the text, you know, as well, but Arizona's the best. They have all three guards playing well. Uh, even when Omar Ballo doesn't play well, they don't need him to because they have these guards playing pretty well. So I'm, I'm excited for Arizona. I'll see what they do the rest of the way here. Let's keep moving, Greg. We have uh, some more to get to here. Let's go to UConn Butler on Friday. UConn's just uh, good, and I, I don't think Butler's very good, honestly. I, I, I know they got some hype in the early in the season. They're 10-5 and five after this game. I, I don't see it. They kept them close, and that's cool, but there's no moral victories in the Big East. Yeah, they, they kept them close, but we've seen UConn do that with a couple of teams this year. So, you know, I did say when we were talking last week, you know, hey, maybe this game will be surprising, and uh, you know, they'll, they'll keep the game close. Butler, Butler still ha- is, I mean, again, winning record at the moment, but not really any, any big wins or, or I think their best win is uh, Texas tech. Uh, they also have a win over Boise state, but basically every Q one opportunity or, or actually all of the Q one opportunities they've had, they've lost. So still haven't proved anything to us. It is nice that they, they kept it, you know, close, but like you said, this is competing for for conference play, and you know, not, it's not going to do anything to the resume that it was a close game. Um, you know, I, I just think this might be a team that in in Big East play they they might end up just picking off a couple of teams. Or you know, I feel like Marquette is vulnerable. We've already seen this. Just might be one of those things where in a couple of weeks we look at one of those results and we're like, well, that seems weird. And it's like, well, they're a middle of the pack, or, or you know maybe top of the, I don't know, top of the bottom third or however you want to say they're pro- probably in the, uh, you know, I don't know, seven, eight, nine range in the, in the big East, but they still, this conference seems pretty deep. They still might have the, the capability to just, you know, get a little bit of an upset win here or there. But other than that, I, I think I'm with you. You know, they don't seem like a tournament team. Good for Thad for, for, you know, putting a winning team together, but Probably not. Probably not sneaking in unless they really string some wins together. 
I will say I'm very happy with them because they are one of the teams where, like, we're trying to figure out this puzzle of college basketball, and then you have Kentucky lose to USC Wilmington, or, or FAU lose to Bryant, and then Charlotte, and then all that. But, like, they're 0-5 against Quad 1. They've won every other game. Like, if they're easy to figure out. They won't beat the good teams. They can beat any of the, the kind of okay teams uh, they go up against, especially when they've been at home for a lot of non-conference play. Also on Friday, we had Purdue beating Illinois 83-78. to Now, this was maybe a not like a true score, score a box score kind of here thing here. We have Purdue winning by five, but really they were in pretty good control of this game most of the way throughout. They were winning 47-32 to at halftime. We know Terrence Shannon didn't play. Um, Dumask for Illinois really stepped up um, late in the game to kind of make it close too, but... For me, watching this game, Greg, I was just uh, – and every time I do it, it's the same thing for Purdue. I'm impressed with their depth. They, You know, if one guy has a bad game, uh, they'll throw other guys at the at the, at the the problem and they'll be able to fix it. So, Trey Kaufman-Bren had a big game. I know in Maui, I think um, Fletcher Lawyer and Zach Eady had big games and, and Braden Smith did not have a good game. So, it, that's what the depth will do. They just got to make sure to keep the chemistry rolling and to make sure that, like – when it does come to tournament time and the rotation shrinks, the guys are still ready to play, you know, because that's that's what could get them in the tournament, like kind of like happened last year. Yeah, I, I did watch all of this game, and it did feel like for about 35 minutes, Purdue was in complete control, and then Illinois just kind of they, they kind of made the score close at the end, but even when it was time to, you know, foul, and, you know, there I think there was one point where it was like a five-point or, or six-point game, Obviously, the, the the score finished, I think it was, was 80, 83-78 or something. But there, were, there was one point where it got a little dicey. Maybe they got it as close as four. But even then, there was, I think, like 30 seconds left. And you knew, like, the math was there, but probably not. The the one thing, I Joe, I, I, you and I have not talked about this. Uh, I don't know if you've done any reading into this Terrence Shannon stuff. But thanks to Suits, uh, I know what a TRO is. So it sounds like we might be working towards Terrence Shannon being back on this team. And we're already seeing what Illinois can do, regardless of the fact that Purdue controlled this game. I was still impressed with the way Illinois played. I mean, playing, you know, a couple of games without inarguably an all American candidate, you know, if not, if not a first or second team, he's at least a candidate. Uh, And now they might get him back. We'll just we'll have to see on that. So it, it, it's everything I'm reading, and we don't need to get into specifics. I don't know what you've read or whatnot, but it, it sounds like there's going to be a restraining order put in. And I'm even reading today that it sounds like not only is he maintaining his innocence, but he might not have even been involved in the incident. I, I we don't want to you know speculate or whatever. The only thing we'll talk about is the basketball, and it sounds like he might be back. That makes Illinois really dangerous. Because you're seeing what this team can do without him, you know they they've got they've got some guys. And I one of the things I, I really liked, um, I saw a lot of they is they play Zach Eady played a lot of drop coverage where he just kind of sat in the paint, um, but they had a couple of plays where uh, either Coleman Hawkins, who's their, you know kind of their their small five, Dane Danger is their other big guy, but they they would when Edie's guarding uh, Hawkins, he can shoot the three. So they would, he was taking their shots. You don't want him taking 15 of their shots a game, but they were taking advantage of that. And then there were a couple other plays where I saw they were trying to get the ball, you know, to the, to the high post. And then they would have someone back cut on the baseline. So Edie steps up to try and take away that, that kind of floater shot. They would have someone back cut 
to get an easy layup. So they were trying to be uh, creative with it. I just feel like sometimes when you watch these teams play Edie, it's like they're just like, all right, we're just going to jump shoot the whole game. We're not going inside. It's nice to see at least an attempt because you're probably not going to, you know, you might win a couple of games, but you're not going to consistently win games just saying, yeah, we're not going to take anything inside of 15 feet. We're just, we're, we're staying out here and taking jump shots. Again, you're probably going to have a game or two where you're on, but uh, I did like that. I, I saw, you know, Brad Underwood try to try to get creative with it. And, and it did, you know, of course they lost the game, but they had some success and I, you know, uh, obviously, the shooting towards the end was what actually got them back into the game and made the score as close as it was. But it, you know, it was a good effort. You know, we've talked about the key to, to going up against ED before, and, and I feel like sometimes these games get stale where it's just you just don't, the other team just decides, all right, we're not we're not we're not going for layups at all. But it was nice to see that from them. Yeah, I think we found out if you can make ED guard, whether with ball handlers or a stretch five, that could really be a big thing. But you also, if you do that, you have to make sure your defense is good too. So. Um, that's something that will be explored later on, even if Purdue goes farther in the tournament, like because they do handle some 16 seeds or 15 seeds or 14 seeds or whoever they've lost to in the past. If they play a good team who has a guy who can be a stretch five or, or someone who can, can really pressure Zach Eady to play um, out near the perimeter on defense, it opens up everything for an offense. So uh, Illinois, too, I, I, I do think they have a lot of talent, Greg. I think Coleman Hawkins is the one that maybe has caught some flack in years past, but in this system, the last couple of years, I think he's grown. And if they do get Terrence Shannon, Shannon back, they can win the Big Ten. They can possibly go to a Final Four. I think we mentioned it before. It's just it's tough to know what will happen with the legal situation. Um, this is a you know temporary restraining order thing. Could happen. It could not happen. There's, like you said, a lot to be figured out. Um, I could see the team still be like holding him out just to be safe because it's just one of those situations you never want to be on the wrong side of. But... Uh, there's a lot to be decided with this Illinois team, and we'll just kind of keep tracking them as the season goes along. Moving on to Saturday now, Greg. We had North Carolina beating Clemson. Uh, this was a, a game of, a, you know, Baycott did not have a lot of points. He only had 14 points, but he had 16 rebounds. And when you're going against a team like P.J. Hall, uh, a team like Clemson with P.J. Hall, that means a lot um, for, for this game. Very impressed. I mean, R.J. Davis is still, I think, the best player in North Carolina this year by far. And I think that their guards are stepping up. We don't have, like, the guy stepping up in the same sense of maybe what we thought would be the case early in the year. Um, you know, they're not getting a lot of, I would say, quality play from Elliot Cadeau. We thought he'd be, like, a superstar. He had four points in this game. But they have enough to get things done. And I think a lot of it is just because they have two guys you can count on in R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott. Yeah, we already kind of touched on the the – uh, Clemson side of things. We won't get too much into that. I do like that we see Carolina win an ugly game. This is a team that's used to scoring in the 70s, 80s, even 90s a couple of times this year. They put up 100 on Tennessee. I, I do like that they won differently. You know, you won a 65-55 game. That tells me, you, you know, you're flexible. You you know how to, you know, win in different situations. They're putting a little bit of a resume together. That's, that's an away game. So, that's probably going to stick. I, I would have to think Clemson's going to stay top 75, just as what they've already built and, you know, what's left on the schedule. So they've got that win. They've got the Oklahoma win. They've got the Tennessee win. You know, their only losses are UConn, Kentucky, and that one confusing loss is Nova, but Net still loves Nova at 33. So we'll just have to see, uh, you know, some of these numbers, man, you're just, you're going to have to explain to me. I don't know if somebody's 
paying the NCAA. I think the, the ones that come to mind are, are I don't I don't have FAUs in front of me, but I think last week when we talked, they were like 15th. You know, Nova's sitting at 33. I guess they got a couple of good wins in that tournament, which yours truly picked them to win. But, you know, it, good for Carolina. Uh, I, I can't remember. Did they have another game this week? I, it, just talking in general about them. I think they had, yeah, they had Pitt earlier in the week. Not a game that was on our radar. Actually is a Q1 win at, at the moment. Good for them. Don't know if that'll stay Q1 as Pitt goes through the ACC schedule. So this team is, is looking like it's it's firing on all cylinders. Again, you know, they didn't put up 90 points and they still won the game. They held a team to 55. It's, it's, uh, they actually held Clemson to 55 and Pitt to 57 this week. So pretty good week for them to see that that defense can uh, can play too. Yeah, if the net teaches us anything, it, like you mentioned, it's that you can blow out bad teams and it'll help you. So that's the that's a recipe for success. Um, you can have, you can take losses, but if you blow out bad teams, Florida Atlantic, you mentioned they are twenty sixth in the net, um, so they're still ranked pretty high despite some of their losses, which are, you know, not the greatest. Let's move on to Seton Hall and Marquette. We talked about Seton Hall really making a push to to you know be t- towards that bubble. Still have to figure some things out with the net, but they get the win against seventh-ranked Marquette uh, in this game. I think, you know, we mentioned Greg last week, and I think the week before too, winning in the Big East on the road is going to be tough, so I'm not ready to panic all the way with Marquette, but two conference losses already does make you kind of start scratching your head a little bit. What also makes you start scratching your head, Tyler Kolek, five points in 36 minutes. Six assists are nice, but... If you have a guy who's that good and he he only gets five points, it's not going to end well for you, especially with six assists. If he has like 12 assists and he's dishing it out to everyone and, and Cam Jones has 20 points and Igadaro has 20 points, which he did have, and then Joplin has 20 points, cool. But they needed him to be more aggressive and to score more, and he was one of six from the field. Yeah, Joe, I uh, I actually looked while we were podcasting last week because we brought up Marquette for some reason. Um I believe I picked Kolek to be player of the year. I think I just went for uh, continuity there and I picked Marquette to win the Big East. Um, I just, I happen to have my notebook in front of me. I, I couldn't tell you what you picked. I think you may have picked Marquette, but I don't, if I remember correctly, I don't think you picked, uh, I don't think you picked Kolek to win Big East player of the year. Uh, I can't remember who you picked. You might have picked Hopkins maybe, yeah. but. Um, so this team was a team that, you know, we just kind of almost gave them the FAU treatment. Hey, bringing everybody back, uh, you know, essentially everybody, of course, uh, was Omax prosper, uh, when ended up going to the NBA draft, but basically everybody else. So all in all, I mean, their losses are to Purdue, a Wisconsin team we think is pretty good Providence when they were at full strength and now Seton hall, that seems to be riding a little bit of a wave here. Nothing again. Nothing confusing here. No, no, no quad two, no quad three, no quad four losses. Nothing, nothing strange. Uh, they did have a little bit of a tight one that I turned on earlier in the year against St. Thomas. That would have been a, an interesting one. That was a bye game at home, uh, I think, in middle of December. But doesn't seem like they're going to be the juggernaut we maybe thought they were. But at the same time, I mean, we know what happened to UConn last year when they started Big East play. So maybe this is just how the Big East works. You're just not going to have somebody finish the 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 conference season with two or three losses whoever wins that that big east is probably going to have i would think five maybe even six losses which you know it just depends on how it works out but it feels like this conference there's just it almost almost is like the big 12 there's just no nights off 
Yeah, what's crazy to me, Greg, is last year I was very surprised when Kolek won Big East Player of the Year. I'll say it. I don't think he should have won it. I think they gave it to the best player on the best team when it came down to it. Uh, but at the end of the day, like we were the whole Big East season, we were talking about Bryce Hopkins versus Sule Boom from Xavier about winning the award. And then all of a sudden, like Marquette wins and everyone votes for him. But he's averaging like one and a half more points per game. I think he's down like an assist per game, but he's averaging more rebounds. So it's not like he's having an awful season or he's playing that bad. He's had games where it makes you scratch your head. Like, is this the guy that won the Big East Player of the Year? But I don't even know if he should have last year. Like, a guy scored 12.9 points and had 7.5 assists, and the assists are nice, but that's just something to me. I, I don't know. I just I, I think he's a good player. I would love to have him as point guard of 90, 95% of college basketball teams. But, you know, I don't know if, like, that's really changing my opinion. I think you're right. They haven't lost any, any majorly bad games. I think the Big East is going to be an absolute, absolute war this year, especially at the top with teams like Marquette and UConn and – what I thought would be Providence and maybe Creighton's able to figure some things out as well. So I, uh, I, I'm not panicking about it. I'm not panicking about Tower Co. Like I still think he'll be a very good player. I just, I, I, he may not be the biggest player of the year this year, which is fine. I, I think we had James Madison get their first loss of the season. Greg, I had mentioned, I thought they'd be the, the last team to lose in college basketball. Houston currently is still undefeated. So they may be wrong on that one. Southern Miss beats them 81 to 71. We have a, a former big-time college basketball player on Southern Miss who, I mean, has played at least a little bit better. He's had Southern Miss playing a little bit better over the last couple of weeks because he didn't start the season playing. Uh, but they get the win here. They beat Georgia State before that. They're, they're now 8-7. and seven. It's not the team you want to lose to if you're James Madison, but uh, you're going to lose at some point. It's just going to happen in college basketball. So, I mean, I, I don't want to read too much into it at this point. That's fine. We don't want to read too much into it. But, yes, they're undefeated. Defeated, but like seventy-five percent of their schedule is it's in quad four. Their only good win is Michigan State, and now they have this loss, this Q three loss to Southern Miss. The net loves the net loves Michigan State. The media loves Michigan State. Is there any? Is there any reason to maybe be worried about this team that maybe they're maybe they're fraudulent um fraudulent in that i don't think they were ever going to get an at-large bid like I, okay so so that's I, I i that's where i would be going with that i i think some people were saying you know this and it would be weird to see a team ranked in the top 25 not get an at-large bid but like so they're sitting at they're sitting at 55 in the net that's that's like that's back end for I know we've seen some teams as high as like 30 like wasn't Rutgers the year they they were like the first team out weren't they like 33rd in the net but there's also been teams in the net as high as like I don't know 52 53 54 that have been at largest so I I, I I'm with you uh I think it's it's the point where they probably like there's a chance they could finish the season with like two or three losses and where who do we do this with a couple years ago? We do this with like maybe it was a Belmont team or a Lipscomb team or, or something like that. It was one of those schools, and it's just like, you know, they're they're undefeated, you know, through half the season, and now we've got one loss, and then you really start to take a, a fine tooth comb to the resume, and like outside of Michigan State, man, like there's not a lot there, and I know it's the Sun Belt, so there will probably be. I don't think there's any. I, I'm I'm not looking actually. I can 
pull up their schedule right now. I, I don't believe they'll have any uh, Q1 opportunities. Uh, I would have to think most of their schedule will be um, quad two, quad three. I'm just pulling it up right now. But I, I mean, it kind of stinks for a team to, you know, go this long without losing. And now it's all of a sudden like they lose once and it's like, eek, you know, but this is not, you're right. I'm with you. You're right. This is, this is not the, uh, not the game you want to lose. Um, I know Andre Curbelo, he, he had a triple, it wasn't the triple double wasn't in this game. Andre Curbelo had a triple double this week, but I believe it was in Southern Miss's other game. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have the schedule pulled up right now. Their best opponent is Appalachian State, and I believe that is a home game. Um, so, man, like that's that's one of that's ninety one in the net. There's there's no Q one opportunities. There's maybe like one or two Q two opportunities. So, for them to get an at large, Joe, what do you think they got? They probably can't take another loss to be an at large team if they take one or even two more losses, they probably have to win the conference tournament. And then again, that just stinks for a team that has been sitting in the top 25. But when you look at it, it was really only because of that Michigan State win. Um, I don't think they're an at-large team no matter what at this point. I didn't think they were going to be I – mean, That's they, fair. They went undefeated. That's fine. But this is a Sunbelt Conference that routinely gets 16 and 15 seeds. That's where the level of play is for, for college basketball. Florida Atlantic was a nine seed last year after going 30 and three, and they were in a much better conference than the Sun Belt. So I don't think it was on the table. It was good to get the one win. I do think they're a way better Sun Belt team than, than we thought. And I would take them against maybe some tournament teams this year uh, based on what we saw. But I don't think it was ever realistic. I think people maybe just thought it because they were ranked. And it's like, yeah, maybe they should be ranked because they actually beat someone in the first week. And not everyone does that. Not everyone wins games against, you know, teams we thought would be final four teams at the start of the year. So I don't think they're fraudulent. I, I just think they're a very good Sunbelt team and they could definitely finish the season 30 and three, like Florida Atlantic did last year. But if they finish the season 30 and three, they're going to be like a 13 seed or a 12 seed at best. I think even so. All right, let's get to a controversial game, Greg. We have Kansas and TCU. Kansas wins this one 83 to 81 and all I'll say about it is we had questionable officiating down the stretch. Uh, I would say TCU probably should have won this game, but I'll give credit where credit is due. Hunter Dickinson had a fantastic game. He had 30 points and 11 rebounds to really help them out. A lot of the issues we've seen with Kansas are still present, but they are good enough to beat teams. I think like TCU in the Big 12, they will compete at the top of the Big 12 by the end of the year for sure. Them in Houston as well. Yeah, there was there was a couple of things. There was a, a flagrant foul that was questionable at best, committed by what was a former uh, Kansas player. Actually, uh, I think Ernest Duday might have even been a top one hundred recruit. I don't have the recruiting rankings in front of me, but I feel like I remember him being not high, but maybe in the sixties or seventies or something. So, uh, and then there was everybody on Twitter's arguing about the the game winning shot that uh hunter dickinson hit did he travel didn't he travel it, it you know tcu was they were sitting pretty and then it you know it's one of those things where just a few things didn't break their way and all of a sudden they're down they lost um big opportunity for tcu they are sitting at 37th in the net 
they don't get it done. It's unfortunate for them because, again, this was a game they I don't want to say they had in hand, but they're, if you're worried about them, they're going to have plenty more opportunities. Kansas, I mean, I, I don't really have much to say about them. You just, you know, they are what they thought we were. I, you know, I, I, I can't remember who. That's the Cardinals coach that's that said that, isn't it? I, I yeah, now I'm great. forgetting who was who was said that. Yeah, that is great. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's 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 the same. I wanted to say Denny Crum, and I was like, that's not that's not right. That's not even the right sport. Uh, but uh, they just continue to to win these games. You know, they've had a couple of close games here and there. Um, their only loss is is to Marquette. So they're sitting pretty. But it's the same thing we've kind of said with this team, Joe. There's always that. Yeah, but you know. One injury, one this, one that. You know, they needed a, a nice call uh, to even win this game. So, uh, and, you know, you want to say it's that that blue blood home home court advantage. Um, it is only a quad two win for them. I would imagine it probably – it might stay that. Maybe I, – I don't think it will drop to a quad three. We'll have to see. But I don't, I, I don't think anything about Kansas in my mind changed. Um, I, I haven't known what to think of TCU. I know they got a couple of pieces in. They got Jameer Nelson's son on the team um, and a couple other pieces. I, I I I don't know if you have an opinion of them. I still don't know what to think of them. I don't know if they're a tournament team. I They haven't done much yet. So I think it's we're, they're just like everybody else in the Big 12. Going through the Big 12 gauntlet will tell us what they are. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not high on TCU. I think they've uh, not really shown us anything so far that can obviously change as time goes on. But it's a tough Big 12, and we're seeing other teams emerge uh, from the Big 12 and that maybe we didn't expect the start like Cincinnati to just beat BYU. Uh, so there's there's definitely things I would say Jamie Dixon can do to, to maybe be competitive, but I don't even know how far up the Big 12 standings you can really get. Uh, let's let's go to the Florida Atlantic Charlotte game, Greg. Uh, Florida Atlantic suffers another loss. It is to Charlotte. It is a quad two loss, but it just adds to the fact that you know they were in trouble, like we talked about last week, with two quad four losses. They can't afford too many quad two or quad three losses the rest of the way if they want at large. And what makes matters worse is Memphis still wins some game. I know they had a close one on Sunday, but uh, they they're winning games, and that could be really tough for them to win the conference tournament. Yeah, they got those those wins over Arizona and Texas A&M, which I guess are, are keeping them afloat. Um, they're still sitting at 26th in that. Like you already pointed out, two quad four losses, arguably. Well, not arguably. It, it, you had you had to say, I don't. It was it. No one else in the top whatever has even one. I I, I know you said it earlier. I don't know if we were talking or texting. Um, but if there, you had some stat about how many, how few quad four losses the rest of the teams have. But yeah, I mean, I think last week when I when I talked about this team, I was like, well, you know, I think I think maybe they'll have some opportunities in in you know in the American. And you know, when I start taking a deeper look at it, you know, I just pulled up their schedule now. Outside of Memphis, I think it, I think it's worse than I thought. Um, SMU is is okay in the net at the moment. So basically they've got SMU and Memphis are there, you know, for those would be away games. Those would be quad one. They'd actually be quad two home games at the moment, North Texas. And then, man, that's, that's really it. So I think last week when we talked about this, I said, yeah, Joe, I, you know, I think I'd be more worried about, uh, you know, Gonzaga than FAU, but 
I have to I have to do an about face on that and say after seeing this result and seeing what they have left on their schedule, you know, at least Gonzaga's won a I, I, and again, I know FAU's won a couple of good games, but FAU's really got to kick it in the gear if they want, you know, I, I don't know, did you say you were worried about that you weren't necessarily worried about them making the t- tournament, but or were, I I I I don't want to speak for you. I just I know we talked about this last week. Uh, yeah, I, I think I was more worried about uh, – I think the way you phrased it was, who are you more worried about in terms of making the tournament? I was more worried about Florida Atlantic. I didn't think either of them will be close to the bubble. Uh, now, in the bracketology I did last week, I think Florida Atlantic was a six, Gonzaga was a nine. The reason I was more worried about Florida Atlantic is they have more opportunities to lose games because Gonzaga has – you know, in their conference, especially this year, it's weaker. But a lot of years it might be weaker than, than what Fort Atlantic's going to have to go up against. So if, if Gonzaga loses a game to St. Mary's, it may not be the end-all, be-all. You know, if Gonzaga wins, you know, a lot of their games, which they should win, it's, it's going to be huge. So uh, Fort Atlantic, for me, it's, it's really just about the conference they're in in the American. It's still a solid conference, even with all the teams that left. I don't know how solid it's going to be or how, much, how well it's going to hold up. Um, but... I think there's a chance that they lose two more games in conference before they play Memphis. I don't know who that would be, but just with the way they have, there's a lot of teams that are ranked right around hundred in the net. And when you're playing on the road and it seems like this team doesn't have the focus they had last year. Yeah. I'd say there's, if you lose two other games, then they'll lose two more to Memphis. You're squarely on the bubble. You may not get in. And Greg, like I mentioned to you, I think last week, I think it's not like a, oh, the committee's not going to say, oh, they beat Arizona. They're going to look at the resume and say it's a quad one win. It's not like college football where it's like, well, Texas beat Alabama this year, so we got to put Texas above Alabama in the rankings when we have the tournament. I don't think they do that. I think it really is just like, oh, they have a quad one win. That's really cool. But, like, they have this many quad one losses. And that's why I'm more concerned about them. I would say they're probably moved down to probably a seven or eight. Gonzaga's probably around an eight or so at this point. And, uh yeah, I'd say if a couple more losses, I am concerned about them. It's not the good the good scheduling can only go so far if you're going to lose these games to quad four and quad two teams. It's kind of wild because if you're sitting there on the one line and you're like, wait a minute, we got Gonzaga, we're playing Gonzaga or F. Like let's just let's just imagine a world where they end up in this in the, the eight nine matchup. It's Gonzaga and FAU. I'd be so mad if mm-hmm. if I was the one seed, but like you're right, Joe. That's where these teams are right now. And I mean that's where FAU was last year. They were literally in the eight nine game against Memphis. They did all the way to the Final Four. Had a few things break their way, and you know I think we do have a tendency to just kind of say, all right, you're bringing everybody back. You, maybe you'll see a little bit of growth, and or you'll at least be where you were. But it's hard, man. Year to year, things are different. Again, we're still dealing with college kids. These are not professionals. They're, you know, they're going to have some inconsistencies, uh, and I think we're I think we're kind of seeing that. So. We'll just we'll just have to to keep an eye on them and and see where they go. But that that Memphis game or those Memphis games are going to be they're going to be key for them. They I would think they probably don't don't lose both of those. That's all I'm going to say. You know, and, and of course the 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 narrative changes is they lose a couple of games here or there. But just to just to bolster their resume, they're going to want to win at least one of those two games. I would think that would have to be the case. Um, it would be just interesting to see a team that only lost three games heading into the tournament that made the championship game last year not make it. Um, I think it's unfortunate, too, because I think uh, Dusty May went from being a guy who could have taken a couple other jobs to now, like, 
that you know the Louisville job's open. He's a guy who who has Indiana ties, so at least it's kind of close. Like maybe he could be a fit there. But now it might look like a one season wonder if they don't get things together. And I don't think that's necessarily fair, but that's what it will be seen as. So we'll uh, we'll see how they do. We'll see if they're a two bid league, a one bid league with Memphis winning it, or, or we'll see what happens. Uh, we talked about Tennessee and Ole Miss in this game, uh, Greg, for Saturday. I don't think either of us expected Tennessee <laughs> to uh, to just dominate from start to finish. We like Tennessee. Um, I think both of us liked them a lot in the preseason, but uh, they killed them. Yeah, I, I don't know if there's much else to say about this. But, I mean, again, Ole Miss, you know, was one of the, the, the few remaining undefeated teams. But when you really start looking – this is another one of those resumes. You really start looking at it with a fine-tooth comb. They got wins over Memphis, UCF, NC State, but this is their first Q1 opportunity, and maybe we're going to find out this is one of those you know early non-conference season darlings that you know they win all their games they're supposed to, but they get in a good opportunity like this, and and man, they just I mean they laid an egg. Uh, that's that's. That's not a good score. And, I, you know, Tennessee, you and I both think, I mean, they're an elite of elite team, Final Four contender, possibly national championship contender. But still, even so, this was, I mean, this wasn't even close. You'd hope that, you know, your first opportunity for, your for you know, a big win, and again, just like we talked about already, there's not really any moral victories at this point. But you'd hope you'd at least show that you belong on the same floor, and it just it didn't even look like that even for a little bit. Yeah, I'm not going to overanalyze uh, Ole Miss at this point. We kind of expected um, we expected Tennessee to be a good team, and Tennessee was a good team, and that's that's just you're going to take losses like that when things when, when things happen like that. I do think Ole Miss can compete in the SEC, maybe not at the top with Tennessee uh, and, and Kentucky and Auburn, but uh, just just a tough tough loss in Tennessee. I think it just gives us more reason to believe in them heading forward. Now, Greg, we had a game that we did not pick to talk about on Saturday as well. We had LSU and Texas A&M. LSU beats Texas A&M. Now, we liked Texas A&M at the start of the year. They've had some issues with injuries. They have some losses they wouldn't like. They're still in the tournament and whatever. But, like, this was a team that we thought could make a run in the tournament, probably could go to a Sweet 16, especially we saw them live against Ohio State. I know LSU is not quite the same team they were at the start of the year. They've had some guys come through. Um, I think Jalen Cook, namely, has not played in too many of the games. But I'd say I'm, I'm a little concerned about Texas A&M. I don't know. A little yeah, bit. This, yeah, this game, I think I texted you about it when I saw the score around halftime. They had Tyrese Radford back for this game. Now, I believe it was his first game back, so – you never know how healthy a guy is playing with his first game back, but at least on paper, they had a full squad and this gives us a quad three loss. You did mention uh, LSU has Jalen cook and, and he was cleared. I believe Joe with that, that two time transfer, but he was a boomerang transfer too, where he, he was at LSU and then he went to, well, I think like Tulane or something. Then he came back. Is that correct? I just feel like I'm, I'm not looking at anything. I just feel like I remember that off the top of my head, that this is his second stint at LSU. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, so this is not a good loss for Texas A&M, but again, we'll just have to see if if maybe Radford is playing, but you know he's not 100% healthy. We still want to see Texas A&M get put together some good wins. They did hang tough with Houston uh, earlier in the year. They have a win over Iowa State that the net loves right now. They beat Ohio State on the road. We went and saw that game. They've got a couple of, of quad one wins. This is not 
not the best loss for them. It's it's quad three at the moment. Uh, I don't I don't know if it'll stay there, if it'll become quad two. I can't imagine it'll end up being. It, there's no way in my mind it'll ever be quad four, but. Still not the best loss, but we know that this team is still kind of working its way back into being healthy. You know, sometimes you reintroduce someone into the lineup, things get funky. So I, I'd say concerned. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But we're not throwing this team out the door and, and saying, you know, you aren't what you know we thought you were in the preseason. It's just maybe we look at and they, they do have a game that we're going to be talking about in a little bit coming up. So they're going to have opportunities. You know, the SEC – Preseason was one of those conferences that we just looked at and like, man, you know, this team could be good. This team could be good. This, this you know, there was just kind of a, a we weren't sure who what to, who to put on what tier and whatnot. And it seems like there, it is going to be open for the most part. But there are, are you know, a, a couple of teams like Tennessee and Kentucky starting to stick their heads out and say, yeah, but we're better than everybody else. But this Texas A&M team, don't sleep on them, you know, just getting everybody back. I, I, I'm with you. I, you know, preseason, I was like, eh, I don't know, but. Now, yes, they take this loss. There's reason to be concerned, but I would, I wouldn't close the book on them. I'm not either. I think I, I'm waiting for them to get healthy. I, I don't, like I said, I don't know if they can push for the top of the SEC uh, anymore. Just like I mentioned with Ole Miss, but like, I think they're still a good team and they're a team that, like you mentioned, say Gonzaga getting an eight or nine seed and, and FAU getting an eight or nine seed again. And you wouldn't want to play them. Like Texas A&M is the same thing. Like if they lose a couple more games and they get down to a nine or maybe a 10 seed, like you don't want to play them in the second round. They can beat anyone. So uh, just something to watch out for as we go along, see if they get healthy. And Buzz Williams usually is a guy who can get his teams to come together near the end of the year. So we'll see what they do there. And then Greg, we have some more stuff to talk about. Uh, Michigan loses to Penn State and more just broadly talking about it. They lost to Penn State. It was in Philly. It was a way to uh, have Michigan alumni go to the game. They have Phil Martelli be honored, the former St. Joe's coach. So Phil Martelli actually coached the game for Michigan. Uh, Juwan Howard sat this one out, even though he had just come back a couple weeks ago from uh, his heart surgery. But now Michigan's lost a couple in a row, including one to McNeese State, who, well, is playing well under Will Wade. Like, it's it's not the greatest situation to be doing that. They have talent on this team. They, they've played competitively with some teams that maybe we thought would be okay, like St. John's, but... They're not very good right now. I think Jawan Howard, you know, for, for a good start to the job that he had, I don't I don't know. I think it might be kind of close to chopping block time. Yeah, Joe, I, I, I just want to make sure you get a chance to say something that you mentioned to me uh, through text. So the John Harbaugh situation and, and where he goes or doesn't go, you had mentioned how that might affect uh, – not necessarily oh, – uh, directly but it, it just might it might alter the context of the situation when in terms of money so if you just want to speak to that a little bit you're the you're so you're the obviously the college football expert yeah so if uh jim harbaugh decides to go to a different school or uh, probably not different school different goes to nfl doesn't come back to michigan uh they might have more money to to pay a buyout for Jawan howard they might go get someone um to do that, I think a lot of things now with athletic departments are tied up with NIL money and giving it to players. Michigan obviously can support things. Uh, if he comes, if Jim Harbaugh comes back, he's a you know top ten paid coach in the sport, and he's going to make more money the more contract negotiations that go on, and uh, that's something you might have to watch. So, I think that could play a factor, but I think at the end of the day, um, that might play a factor in who they hire for the basketball position because. 
not I, I think either way, Jawan Howard might be fired by the end of this year. So Yeah, just to clarify, I for sure said John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh and the Ravens have nothing to do with this situation. Well, I'm 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 positive that I said John Harbaugh. He he has nothing. I I guess they're you know maybe he can he can pull some strings at at Michigan if he really wants to get uh, Jawan Howard fired. You know since this is brothers there at the moment, but that 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 was a miss misspeak by me. Has nothing as far as we can tell, unless there's some conspiracy theory, has nothing to do with the situation. <laughs> Uh, no, not at all, but we'll, again, another team, like, I feel like we're keeping tabs on everyone here, but, like, we are going to keep tabs on Michigan, even if they're not very good, because there is a hot seat thing going on, uh, and then Michigan State, Greg, you had on the, on the outline here to talk about them, we had mentioned before how we're not impressed with Michigan State and their resume, they really don't have that many good wins, they beat Baylor, and that's pretty much it, uh, they go lose to Northwestern, and then they, this week, they go play Illinois, I know I mentioned that, uh, to you over text, and it's just, we, especially now, like everyone was mad that James Madison was ranked. Well, James Madison at least beat Michigan State. Michigan State, like they beat Baylor. Is that good enough to put them back in the back in its rankings when they really haven't beat anyone else of note? Some people in the media think yes. Greg, we thought no, and then we were proven right because Northwestern beat them on Sunday night, um, and it really wasn't uh, a game where I, I think Michigan State played well. And now they have a tough Big Ten schedule coming up on, on top of this with Illinois. So it's. I don't know about you, but I, I think Michigan State has a lot more to prove before they can even come close to the rankings. Yeah, Joe, you've even mentioned on on past pods that we've talked that Baylor is an interesting case, too. That that Baylor win, yes, it looks good on paper. Baylor's currently sitting at 15th in the net. Looks great, but Baylor is not like, you know, an elite of elite team. They're probably going to get take, you know, some hits in the Big 12 you know, maybe they'll be a, a, a top. They may end up being a top three, top four, top five team in the Big Twelve. But I mean, that is that is what this these people out on this picket line, you know, for rank Michigan State. I, I just don't I don't get it, man. I this is another this is another net. You know, sitting at twenty eighth in the net, and they basically lost outside of Baylor. They haven't basically lost, they've lost every other quad quad one opportunity. Their other best win outside of Baylor is is Indiana State. I promise you, I I don't have anything in front of me, but I bet you if we looked, we could probably find a mid major somewhere. One of the mid majors that that picked off a a, a power conference team in the, in the non conference, and that's the only thing that they're standing on, other than their you know Q three and Q four wins. And no one wants to talk about ranking. I don't I don't have a case you know a, a case study for you, but I, I guarantee you we could find one. Um, I just, I don't get it, man. I don't get this team is they're what they're like 10 and five or whatever. And they're, uh, what, what is their record right now? They're nine, they're nine and six in, in, uh, I, I just, they were, so they would have been before the Northwestern game, they would have been nine and five. I just don't get whatever, like we know the talent is there and there's still that voice in your head. If I think if anyone other than Izzo, you know, maybe, maybe you could name a couple other coaches. If, if it was anyone other than, you know, a, a hall of fame coach coaching this team. And we didn't really know what, what the roster talent was. We'd be like, what, what are you talking about? But we give them the benefit of the doubt. So I, I guess this is a team to pay attention to still. I don't get, wanting to rank them i think there are many more deserving teams not that that means anything not that being ranked is you know you don't nobody gets paid based off of it but, you know exposure and whatnot i mean it's it's what makes these uh makes you know people tune into games so i 
you and I are on the same page with this one. They shouldn't be ranked. I don't know why certain media pundits are are storming in saying they should be ranked. And I think even one said they were that uh, I think Seth Davis said they were going to be on his ballot. Maybe I'm confusing that with someone else, but I just don't get it. Yeah, one of the losses or one of the wins that they were really impressed by was like Penn State, where Penn State is a long way away from being, I think, what they could be um, under Mike Rhodes and everything. It's a, it's a first year, a lot of moving parts had to be put into place. So I don't know. I think a lot of times you want to see these big programs be good. It's good for the sport when the blue bloods are blue bloods are good. But like, and I guess personal relationships come into it as well. But let's be honest, like. If Michigan State goes out and beats Illinois Thursday, yeah, maybe they should be ranked, even though they lost Northwestern. I don't know. Maybe that should be it. But even then, they're like you said, they're ten and six. Like, is that good enough with with only two good wins at that point? I don't know. I think there's a lot of deserving teams out there. All right, Greg, you had some teams that you wanted to mention before we get to our picks for the week, so I'm going to let you take it away and t- mention the three teams you want to talk about. Yeah, Joe. So what I what I'll do here is I'll just kind of give you my thoughts on each of these three teams, and then if there's uh some one or more of them that you want to give an additional input on you can absolutely do that but um i did south carolina is the first team i have listed here um i did watch their game against mississippi state those are two teams that i believe i only had either one or two losses going into that game uh south carolina is currently 13-1 i don't have mississippi state's record in front of me but that i, I was actually impressed with mississippi state defense uh, I checked this afternoon. They're currently sitting at 10th in defensive efficiency in Ken Palm. That defense, that Mississippi State defense is that they're going to like, I, I'm looking ahead. I don't know if they're playing Tennessee this week or next week. I know they looked ahead, but seeing that Mississippi State defense go up against uh, the Tennessee offense, that's one I, I think we're going to have to pick because, uh, and I, again, I don't think it was this week. That's why it's not on our, our picks, but um, I, I did enjoy watching this game. Uh, it was a really gritty game. We got to see um, Michi have he had a couple of good plays. They don't really have a signature win yet, but I mean, South Carolina is sitting at at thirteen and one. Their only loss is that away game to Clemson. So this is just a team, you know. And, I, and I'm talking about South Carolina and Mississippi State, two teams to kind of pay attention to. I don't think they're going to compete for the SEC, but I think they can make some noise. I think they're teams that might get overlooked, and we could all of a sudden see you know, Kentucky or, or uh, Tennessee or Texas A&M take a, take a loss that you would maybe think they shouldn't to them. So just, just some, a team to look for in the SEC. Um, next is Oregon. Uh, so there's another team that is, is stringing some good wins together. Um, they're all they're, They've, they've got a loss to Bama earlier in the year. They've got a loss to Syracuse. They had a loss to, to Santa Clara, but they're still sitting at, uh, they're still sitting at 12 and three. They beat Washington and Washington state this week. Georgia only has like, I think like one or two losses and Oregon was one of the teams that beat them. They Oregon's already beat USC. They're four and zero in the pac 12, you know, sitting at 51 in the net, just a team that, you know, I feel like we've kind of written off Oregon the last, I don't know, two or three years. And they're like, all right, maybe they will be a 10 or an 11 seed. Maybe they'll make the tournament, but. Maybe they're maybe Dana Altman's going to have a little bit of a resurgence. Again, not a team that I'm just saying put them in the tournament, but you know, hey, they there might be a game on on a Thursday night worth watching. Uh, the last team, Utah State, we kind of already touched on uh, the strength of the Mountain West. Um, Joe is still not a believer. We're going to make him pay for that. 
So their only their only loss at the moment is to to Bradley. Um, they got a good win this weekend over uh, Colorado State, who's kind of the darling of the of the Mountain West outside of San Diego State at the moment. They did beat San Francisco as well, who's kind of the only other notable team in the WCC. So the the reason you really want to talk about this team, I, I believe they're fourteen and one overall. They're twelve and one against Division One, but they turned over their entire roster. There's not a single point scored from last year that, uh, that returned. I mean, I, Joe, I know, I know it's becoming more of the norm, you know, to see more of this roster turnover and, and whatnot. But that to me is an outlier, you know, even, even for what we're, we're used to seeing that to me, just that feels like, you know, even uh, the, the, an outlier of outliers. So um, Danny Sprinkle is a first-year coach out there, so good for him. Came over from Montana State. Uh, Mountain West looks to be, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to I'm gonna still stick with, I think they're getting at least three in. Um, we'll, we'll make Joe a believer eventually. So, Joe, I, I just kind of rapid-fired through those. You got any thoughts on any of those teams? Again, these are not teams I'm saying throw them in the tournament, but just, you know, hey – you know, if, if you turn on the TV on Thursday night and, and Oregon's playing Utah, that's, you know, a game you want to turn on. Or Utah State's playing Colorado State, which they already did. Or, you know, uh, South Carolina's playing Tennessee. It's, those, those are games you probably want to keep on just, you know, for fun. Uh, yeah, I'll say is I think Utah State is the most impressive of those teams. I don't think any of them have done anything to warrant tournament talk. I think Oregon would probably – be closest i mean it's nice to have a nice record but it feels like there's a lot of teams who have good records this year but don't have much of a resume built up because of it they've maybe scheduled lightly and stuff uh, but yeah utah state i think the job sprinkles done in year one has been good um, they only have two quad one wins which i think obviously one came against colorado state so they haven't had too many opportunities let's see if they hold up down the stretch and uh for oregon and south carolina i i mean some decent wins here or there, but I just, I'm not sold on them yet. So uh, I think to be, uh, to take the next step, uh, I think they have to win some games and prove it to us. All right, so let's go to our picks for the week. We'll start on Tuesday, January 9th. We have Houston at Iowa State, Greg. Yeah, so this is actually a really interesting game. Uh, Iowa State sitting at 11-3. and three. They're actually 12th in the net. Houston sitting at 1 in the net. This is a pretty... It's a pretty big game. Um, Iowa State doesn't have a lot to their name, but they did what uh, what Joe says you should. They beat up on those Q4 teams, so they've got a really high net score. But this might be one of those things where we're, we might just end up picking Houston games until they lose. Just, you know, hey, it's just going to be interesting to see um, how far can they go. I'm picking Houston, you know, Iowa State, another one of those teams that maybe, like you said, they've got a nice record but haven't really done anything as of yet. Actually, I believe more than half of their games are Q4 games. Um, They've lost Oklahoma and Texas A&M. Their only Q1 opportunities lost both of those. So um, T.J. Osselberger does a good job bringing in transfers every year. It feels like they rebuild that team from year to year, but I don't think they get this one done. I think Houston State's undefeated. Yeah, I'm not not really big on Iowa State either, so I'll just go ahead and say Houston's, I think, much better. Uh, I think they've prepared pretty well um, for for this with some of their non-conference scheduling. Obviously, playing a game like at Xavier, which is not the greatest team, but like on the road, they've kind of built this up. 
I think they will get tripped up here soon, Greg, but I don't think it'll be at Iowa State. I know the Hilton Magic thing is something that was big for a short stretch, but I overrated, Greg. I'm going to say it. Over, Hilton Magic's overrated, so uh, I'm going Houston. Moving on, we have BYU and Baylor. This one is on Tuesday, January 9th as well, 9 p.m. Eastern. It's at Baylor. Baylor has a new arena, Greg. I don't know if you've seen the pictures of it. Yeah, so uh, everything I've heard about this arena is it's smaller, more intimate. It seems like they downsized a little bit, and, they, and, and it seems like that's kind of what a lot of schools that are opening new arenas, they, they kind of go for that so that it's always packed and, and, you know, the, the fans are, I mean, you think about the, the, the ones that you, you can remember. I mean, you think about Cameron indoor, you think about Bud Walton, you think about arenas like that. I think they're trying to give it that, that intimate feel. So BYU Baylor, two different stories here. BYU, that team that no one thought anything of. This is a rank versus rank matchup. Baylor at 14, BYU at 18. Baylor's had, you know, had those issues this year where we're like, eh, you know, maybe they aren't, you know, this or that or whatever. I'm, I'm taking, uh, I'm taking Baylor in this game. Uh, but BYU has a chance to, you know, kind of prove, Hey, you know, you go get this win at Baylor. They have a chance to prove it. You know, forget what you thought about us in the preseason. You know, we belong. Yeah, you're right. I think that actually is really important because uh, after losing to Cincinnati, a game that probably should have won, um, you know, Big 12 schedules just starting. You know, if you can put a, a win on your resume right away uh, after getting that loss, I think it really helps. And it's on the road, which will be tough too. Um, I think the, the biggest problem I have with the new arena, Greg, is the camera angle is so bad. I don't know if you watched the game yet. I watched a little bit. I forget what team they were playing last week, but it's so high up. Like, you can see everything, and it's kind of cool from, like, being able to see everything type of thing. It's just so abnormal. Um, but other than that, no, it's a very nice arena. I, I'd imagine it's lower in um, seating as well just because it's a it's a private school and everything too. So I don't know. I, I'll take Baylor in this game uh, overall. I think the defense is maybe taking a step back over the last couple of years. They do have some good offensive players. And, you know, for as much as we've watched non-conference basketball, Greg, if there's a gun to your head, do you know if BYU is good or not yet? Like, I still don't know. Mm-hmm. Nope. This is, this is the same. I I think I've grouped them in Oklahoma, which both happen to be big 12 teams where I'm just like, I think I even asked you on our previous pod. I I think I gave you three teams. I can't remember who the third team was. I think I was like BYU, Oklahoma or someone else. Like who, who are you picking to be, you know, the most consistent going out? We'll just have to see with BYU. I, as Joe mentioned uh, at the end of the last podcast, I did pick UC. Maybe it's a little bit of that bias uh, that, you know, I've just seen UC play a couple of times this year, uh, both in person against Dayton and then in the Crosstown shootout on TV against Xavier. Like a little bit of what they got going on there, but still, uh, that's a game that BYU probably needs to win, even though it's on the road. If they want to say, hey, you know, we're, we're as you're ranked right now, a top 15 team, uh, pretty high up in the net. I don't have their net ranking in front of, in front of me, but uh, it's just going to be an interesting game because the storyline the storyline's going to be interesting coming out of it either either way because you know if Baylor wins it's well BYU's pretender you know or especially if, if it's a if it's a wide score or you know if BYU wins there might we might be throwing around more questions about Baylor than we say we're solidifying what BYU is so just going to be interesting to talk about next week and, and you know see what happens BYU is currently four in the net still so still a lot to play for and trying to keep that ranking and help their tur- tournament resume uh, Texas A&M at Auburn is also Tuesday, uh, as we're recording this right now, Greg. The 
issues with Texas A&M are still there, but Auburn is actually the second favorite to win the SEC this year. Yeah, I really was really high on them in the preseason. Just they have they have a lot of nice pieces on that on that team. Um, I'm picking Auburn in this one. I think if you'd have given me this in the preseason, I this would have been a really tough game to pick. This is on our schedule because this is this is just one of those we're we're teetering with Texas A&M, and I think Auburn is on the rise. So this is going to be, I think, a, a good game. I, I that Auburn defense is stifling. They're another one of those teams that plays really good defense. I know they gave up a lot of points to, to Baylor, but I, I still, man, there was just times in that game early in the season where I was like, I don't know how anybody's going to score on them. Uh, I'm picking Auburn. Uh, this is just another one of those games that I'm both interested to see what the result is from a storyline and uh, from a gameplay standpoint. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going Auburn as well. It's really high Texas A&M this preseason and Wade Taylor. I don't. I think we have to take things as they are, right? Like some of these teams we mentioned, we don't know who they are. At this point, we're assuming Texas A&M is a good team, just not fully put together yet with, with injuries or whatever. Uh, they'll probably find their way, but I don't think it's going to be at Auburn when they figure this out, which Auburn's crowds are pretty raucous these last couple of years. Uh, watch out for Holloway and Broom to have big games in this one. I think Auburn wins. Wednesday, we have a little bit of a rivalry game. We have North Carolina at NC State. This one's at 8 p.m. Eastern at NC State. Uh, yeah, this one, again, probably another one of those games that really we got it. I got it on our list because it's an in-state rivalry game. You always pay attention to these games. Sometimes you get a weird result that you're like, okay, well, that only happened because, you know, this is a rivalry game. Um, NC State currently sitting at 66th in the net. They do have an inflated record. Another one of those teams we kind of talked about, they've played like eight or nine Q4 games, and then they've lost to BYU, Tennessee, Ole Miss. So, you know, if this wasn't if this wasn't literally North Carolina against NC State, probably wouldn't pick it. But just just for that little spark of uh, in interconference and in-state rivalry game, I got it on our list. I'm picking Carolina. I don't think there's any reason to pick NC State, but you say that out loud, and then we come back next Monday or Tuesday and we talk, and it's, well, gee, Joe, how did how did NC State figure out a way to beat their rival? Uh, yeah, I'm going uh, UNC big. I I will be bold enough to say if North Carolina State pulls the upset, Greg will get a tattoo of a tar hole on his on his forehead. Um, I don't think NC State's very good. I, my favorite player is DJ Burns. Um, and maybe the whole country, just a big guy who can kind of do a little bit dribbling and passing. But uh, I, I think UNC is a much better team, so I will take them. Next one up, the last game we're going to pick is Oklahoma and Kansas. This is at Kansas. Greg mentioned it, Oklahoma, still having trouble figuring them out. Kansas has some issues, but at least they've kind of won some big games. Picking Kansas, another one of those teams that until Oklahoma wins a big, a big, big game, uh, and tells me that they're worth paying attention to. And I mean a, a big, big game. This would be by far, um, this would be their best win, I believe. I, I can't remember exactly what, um, I can't remember exactly what the uh, the net for Kansas is, but they do have that Providence win. And, and, and that's going to be one to note because, uh, first of all, some idiot on this podcast said that uh, Providence beat Oklahoma, and that wasn't right. Uh, so we're making sure, again, just to straighten that out, I said that. That was wrong. Oklahoma beat Providence. Um, 
but that's uh, unfortunately for them that's a win that's it it's gonna lose steam as we already talked about on this pod you know just with what's going on with providence but it again i, I know you kind of talked about how the committee is going to be like well that's a q1 that's a q2 when we talk about these things we can say okay we know what that was when it happened you know talking about this team and just what we actually think but here's your chance it's at kansas it's at we just saw tcu get arguably screwed over you went you know you win this game and all of a sudden the entire narrative of your team changes so uh you know i'm i'm picking kansas you know but i think if you made me if you made me on the spot say who do i think has a better chance of of winning their game this week, BYU or, or Oklahoma, obviously not their only game, but their big game. Uh, it's, it's Oklahoma for me. I, I, I just, I feel a little bit better about Oklahoma against Kansas than, than BYU and Baylor. Maybe you disagree, but um, I'm taking Kansas. I'm taking tech, uh, Kansas as well. Not Texas. Wow. Um, I think having Kevin McCoolar helps. He's, he's, I think been able to step up in a way that they needed uh, with some of the players they lost the last couple of years. Uh, Hunter Dickinson's obviously been good inside, but he has his issues too. And I just, I, I need to see more out of Oklahoma before I can take them. It's not a team that we've seen a ton of. The, the win against Providence was, was very nice, uh, but a lot has changed since then. I think this will be a, a good chance for them to prove it. This is a good game to check out, Greg. Before the NFL playoffs, this is at 2 p.m. on Saturday. NFL playoffs don't start till like 4.30 Eastern on Saturday. So it's kind of nice that they the TV schedule you can watch some of the noon games on Saturday. Watch this big 2 p.m. game uh, with two ranked teams then go straight into the NFL schedule and then into your night, whatever you're doing. So uh, both of us got Kansas there. Greg, any final thoughts for the week? Yeah, two things. Um, I just happened to pull this up because I was going to make a point about – I did go to the UD game this weekend. They played UMass. They were up big for a while, and then all of a sudden Frank Martin starts screaming bloody murder, and they're back in the game. Darn near gave that up. Uh <clears throat> So I'm looking at the net conference rankings right now, and this is actually surprising to me. Um, I knew the A-10 was going to be pretty low on here. Um, so I think we know the power conferences, you know, Big 12, SEC, Big 10, Big East, we knew those were going to be on top. Currently sitting at seventh is the Mountain West. I think we kind of already talked about that. Eighth is the A-10. And, Joe, here's why I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point this out. It's because I'm looking at that league right now probably as a one-bid league. I think the only way that that's a two-bid league is if Dayton pretty much runs the regular season and then, you know, makes it makes it so that there's no way to not give them an at-large, but then they don't win the uh, the conference tournament. Even then, I, I'd say just with how weak the A-10 is this year, I wouldn't advise losing the conference tournament. Uh, we'll have to see about that. But so – Here's here. I'll give you. I'll give you your top eight. You got big. This is net conference rankings: Big Twelve, SEC, Big Ten, Big East, ACC, Pac Twelve, Mountain West, A Ten. That's in order. You want to try and give me nine and ten? And there's a conference in there that I haven't mentioned yet that we've talked about a lot today. Um, that I, I'm wondering if you're going to know where they might be because this is this is actually staggering to me. Um, WCC. The BCC currently sits at twelve. Ooh, they got not good, not good either. But just, I just wait until you hear what nine and ten are. Not necessarily. It, it's well, I, I'll tell you, nine is is okay. Missouri Valley is nine, so you know who that means is ten that we have that we've talked about that has a, an arguably a, a contender is the American Athletic currently sitting at tenth. 
in the net conference rankings. And that's not good for a team like FAU that we've said, you know, hey, you don't want to you don't want to take some losses in conference. I did not. If you would have if you would have gone to my head, said, hey, you know, rank the conferences. And I'm sure it might be different for, you know, RPI conference rankings, whatever. But the American Athletic being that low, I would have I would have never I would have never guessed because I already have a pretty low view of the A-10 this year. And you're telling me the, the American Athletic, at least at the moment, is two slots down. You know, I, I don't even know who who's good out in the Missouri Valley outside of Indiana State. Yikes, man. I don't that's that's not a good look for the American. I know they lost a lot of teams in the Big 12, but yikes. Yeah, the uh, Nets regular rankings are tough enough to figure out. The conference rankings, I have no idea. I know the A-10 has two teams in the top 50 with Dayton and St. Joe's. Thinking West Coast has three teams in the top 50. Maybe they'd be ranked high. No, that's not it. So um, it's 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 kind of a weird time. You're right. I think uh, the A-10 is a, is a one-bid league unless St. Joe's or someone else knocks off Dayton in the conference tournament. And even then, it might still be a one-bid league. And I think that's probably the case with everyone below them, too. I mean, it's it's not a, not a fun year. I mean, if, if well, St. Mary's was better, maybe. But even then, if, if Gonzaga runs the rest of the table, they're probably still in the bubble if they lose uh, to St. Mary's in the conference tournament. So it's just it's one of those things you just never want to be uh, too sure of yourself. So uh, my final thought, Greg, Gonzaga is actually the base of it. They have a very important game. with Gonzaga's been a very big topic on this podcast. It, it makes sense because they've been such a good team over the last several years. They've made one seeds, Final Fours. This team, we mentioned them with their depth issues. We mentioned their resume issues. They don't have a quad one win, and they are you know, 50-something in the net right now. Or, excuse me, 45 in the net right now. They play at Santa Clara this week, so it's worth watching if, you, if you're able to. If they lose that game, that, Santa Clara is the fourth best team in the WCC. Their net ranking is around 103. So San Francisco is good, uh, ranked 46th in the net. St. Mary's is 50th in the net. There's chances for good wins. But if you lose this game, or you, you know, even if you're able to add this to your resume as a road game, it really helps things out uh, for Gonzaga's case here. So I'm uh, going to point it out because it is worth noting that, hey, if they don't make the tournament, that'd be the first time in a long time. If they don't get some of these wins against Santa Clara, San Francisco, and St. Mary's, it, it's going to be really dicey. And, and, and as you said, Greg, if they if they do stumble in this and you say they move from an 8 or a 9 down to a 10 or 11, who wants to play? Who wants to play Gonzaga in the first round? If you're a 6 seed, you know, I, I don't think that's like the worst case scenario because if they are healthy, you're screwed. All right. So that was my final thought. Uh, my turn to remind everyone to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. It helps us out as we move along. We'll be back next week to recap this week and pick the next week of games as we move forward with the college basketball season. For now, thanks for watching. We'll see you guys next time. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event.
Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. 